I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome back to the Brand is Female podcast. This week, I'm in conversation with one of the very few women of color who sat on at least two publicly traded boards in Canada during 2022. Emma Todd is CEO of MMH Blockchain Group, a company that offers services in data systems, consulting, communications, and events for technology organizations. A board member of the Canadian Blockchain Consortium, which is Canada's largest blockchain association, Emma has been in business with some of the largest banks on the planet, from J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America to HSBC. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandiesfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help you. Are you ready to be inspired and connected? I'm really excited to share that we have officially launched the Brand is Female Conversation Series. Come and join us for a monthly conference that's changing the game in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Engage with fellow women thought leaders, innovators, and visionaries. Get ready for insightful discussions and powerful networking opportunities presented by TD Women in Enterprise. Don't miss out on this opportunity to elevate your career and your network. Visit our website, go to the events section and secure your spot today. I can't wait to meet you in person. Because of her work, Emma has spoken at Parliament in Ottawa twice, at the United Nations headquarters in New York City, and during the General Assembly at the World Economic Forum in Davos. She's also been awarded one of the top 100 Black women to watch in Canada, and was nominated as one of the top 100 influencers for sustainable development goals, in addition to being featured on the top 50 influential list by Toronto Life magazine. In this conversation, you'll hear about Emma's unique path and the obstacles she's overcome to focus on her career success. Here's our conversation. Emma, it's such a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you for making time to speak with me. Of course. You know, I like to support women. We have to do what we can to lift each other up. And I find what you're doing very interesting. So I was intrigued. Oh, thank you. I am equally intrigued by your own background and journey, so I can't wait to dive into this story with you. Um, I like to start these conversations by going back in time. I'm curious to know when you were growing up as a young girl, young woman, what did you dream you'd be doing as a career later in life? And what kind of first steps did you take towards what would be your professional career? Wow, I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't make me come off as um, brutal. I just wanted to be <laughs> successful. I just wanted to be successful. I didn't care what I did as long as I was successful. And that sort of drove everything I did. So mm. I never do anything with just 90% or 100%. I'm always going to give you 150 minimum. Wow. And that's driven everything that I've done. But yeah, I just wanted to be successful. And was there kind of a, as you, you know, start your studies, was there kind of a field that drew your attention? Was it, I mean, you you work in, in tech and there are a few mm-hmm. women working in tech, especially in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so was that kind of an early interest of yours or did that come later? That came later. I just wanted to be a boss. So I did business <laughs> administration. I did I was going to manage people. I knew what I was going to do, right? Yeah. So 
Good start. Um, that I, you know, when you go into university, you don't really know what you want to do. Um, I, I still have friends who graduated and still didn't know what they wanted to do, you know, and five years later, they're still wondering, but you know, that, that's a really good thing about now compared to back in the day, everybody isn't expected to stay in that one career for the entire, their entire working lives. Right. You can switch. Absolutely. Like I've switched a few times. Yeah. No, I just wanted to, I just did business. Like I just yeah. knew that's where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. Mm. So tell me about kind of the first chapter in your professional career after studying uh, business admin. Where did that lead you? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So I couldn't get a job. <laughs> I couldn't get a job. It was, I don't want to say when, but it was, uh, yeah, it was like early 2000s. They were having a recession. Oh, yeah. Life was yeah. horrible. Um, I couldn't get a job. I could not get a job. So I was, you know, I was working at McDonald's. I had to work through Mc, um, at McDonald's through my university career and my friend's um, boyfriend uh, everybody used to come to our house and hang out and my friend's boyfriend came over and he was talking about this great job he had at a bank and I was like oh my god it was a U.S. bank and they were different from Canadian banks and he said they're amazing they pay us so much money they take care of us like they give us all these extra like extra cash for doing all these things and I was like that's where I want to be and so I harassed them (laughs) Um, you until know, they called, gave you a job until they gave me a job like literally the HR was like we have your resume please stop sending it <laughs> as soon as we have something we'll let you know and my first day the um, my manager was like I've heard a lot about you you had HR calling me every couple days going is there something is there something <laughs> <laughs> well that's amazing proof yeah. that being persuasive works right and sometimes yeah. you have to be a little persistent to get yeah. what you want I'm still the same way. I am literally still the same way. Well, and I think, you know, often as women, we're taught it's something that comes up and it might, I'm sure there are men who feel the same way, but we've been taught to not be, we don't want to bother someone. Somebody else's time might be more important than our own. But when we want something, sometimes it pays off to be pushy. So that's a great lesson. It does. Um, Funnily enough, I never gave the credit for this. I I don't know if you listen to this, but uh, Tracy Leperula, I don't know if you've interviewed her. You probably should. She's pretty amazing. I remember when I first started and I was like, oh, there's somebody who says he wants to work with me. But, you know, I messaged him and I emailed him and he didn't get back to me. So I'm just going to leave it alone. And she was like, no, no, you should you should contact him again. Sometimes we're just busy. And yeah. It's not that we're not interested. We're just busy. And I was like, totally. Oh, she's right. So yeah. I always can't. Yeah. So I just keep going. But then the, the catch I had to learn, and this is very, very important, is when to stop. Right. Right. Cause I can keep going. <laughs> so I have a CRM and I go through it with my, with my team and yeah. like there are certain days, everyone's going to get a response. Like bam, bam, bam. Right. It's, right. it's all like, it's a wheel. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wheel. Things are happening. Yeah. So certain days, you know, you're going to hear from me on this day and this day as a follow-up this day and this day. And then eventually after a certain amount of time, we'll be like, okay, we'll, we'll let it go. But yeah, yeah. it's a, uh, it's a wheel. <laughs> well, and it's, there's always the risk. I mean, it's, how many emails do I leave unanswered in a day? Not because, you know, I didn't mean to, mm-hmm. or I, it stays in my outbox or my drafts mm-hmm. or a LinkedIn message I want to come back mm-hmm. to later. And I forget because there's 10 other ones that came in. Mm-hmm. We're all busy and we all have multiple channels that we used to communicate with people. It's not, it's not like right? back in the day you could write a letter, or <laughs> phone somebody <laughs> and get through, right? <laughs> yeah. My dad still loves a letter. He's like, I'm upset with the airline. I'm going to write them a letter. And I was like, Send an email. It's faster. He's like, yeah, that's what I meant. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Electronic letter, yeah. Um, so worked at a bank and what happened next and what was your time at that U.S. bank like after they finally gave you a job? Oh, my God, I loved it. It really set the stage for who I am now and how I operate because it was, um, they were a startup bank, but they had all the funding, but they operated like a startup. And so I learned how to do, and I just didn't appreciate it at the time. I learned how to do the work of four people and I was just fast at everything. And I just kept going and that allowed me to raise through the ranks. And that was in Ottawa. And then, um, uh, 2007 got a job offer from uh, HSBC mm-hmm. and I took that because you know that's where you want to. so I don't I don't know you probably don't know I assume everybody knows but it was, it was a long time ago um I got a job offer at HSBC and I was like woohoo life is set they <laughs> the money was more I was like you want to pay me this much for the same job okay it was double um I um was based in Toronto but was still had worldwide dealings mm. and um that was right around the time of subprime so that's when um oh yeah that's that's right before 2008 now a lot of people think that um the market bought like um started in 2008 you know the yeah. 2008 worldwide bank challenge but it wasn't actually started in 2007 and i remember the day before my three-month probation ended <laughs> They let go a bunch of people. And I was like, what have I done? Oh, my God. I just got to, like, I, I'm just totally set up, all this stuff. And it ended up being a challenging time, but it taught me a lot. And I still carry those tenets through till today. So what I found is that the lessons from my early careers really, to this day, still impact how I do and how I operate. Mm. Um, and, it, and 2008, the problems that I saw banks going through and other people going through, helped me throughout the 2020 pandemic. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. So I worked initially at MBA Canada, which became Bank of America. They only right. had one offering, which was credit cards, right? Mm-hmm. And then I ended up going to work at um, RBC, and RBC has credit cards, mortgages, lines of credit, all, of all these different things, right? And so I remember having dinner with my friends, and they said, oh, my God, how was your bonus? My bonus sucked. And I was like, my bonus was the best it's ever been. But why was it the best it's ever been? Because when one line of businesses, which is mortgages, is going down the tube, Mm. everything else was still, you know, rock solid and doing well. Because Canada, you know, we're we're very like, we're not like, woohoo, you know, innovative and stuff like that to a certain degree. We're very like, very conservative. So I learned then that don't always just have one line of business. Have two or three, that if something uh-huh. goes wrong here, you can lean on this one while the other one and prop up the other one until the time is right. And that's what happened in 2020 because my business, the majority of the money at the time was events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, nobody, but nobody could legally go to an event, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I lost a lot of money. I'll never forget May. But at the same time, had the opportunity to develop my other lines of business that were still fledgling at the time but doing okay. Yeah, And then those line of business really took off as events didn't do as well. So then my mining was taking off quite a bit and um, I just retooled some things. And then that became my most profitable line of business and my events and consulting took a backseat. Mm-hmm. And that is something that really helped me. So when a lot of 
um, my, um, uh, you know, uh, I don't say colleagues, but yeah, colleagues and um, competitors weren't doing well. I was flourishing. Huh. Yeah. And it was that, that early lesson from 2007 that came back and proved very helpful. I love that. Thank you, Um, RBC. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. RBC Mm. taught you a thing or two. So, Mm. I mean, going through your resume, um, it doesn't fit on one page or there are several (laughs) pages. I mean, I I try to go through your, you know, your history. Um, You've done a lot over time. I know there was Mm. some time at JP Morgan Chase as Mm -hmm. well. There was some time at CIBC. when did the and then throughout that you're a strategic advisor for a lot of organizations mm. as well? Um, mm. When did the and maybe there's another significant, you know, a chapter in your career that I'm that I'm jumping mm. over. So do do call me out mm. if I do that. But when did the idea that you could have your own business? Uh, you know, come up and what was kind of the, what was the, uh, the thing driving you to want to be an entrepreneur and start your own company? Oh my gosh. So, um, I was at CIBC and I wasn't happy there. I really wasn't happy. And I wanted to switch. I'd been in credit cards and mortgages and I wanted to switch industries a little bit, not too crazy, but I wanted to switch. And so I talked to my friend Amber Scott, who you should talk to one time if you get a chance, and she's amazing. I love all these um, recos. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my gosh, we're women, we lift each other up, and yeah. they're any really amazing men, I'll tell you about them too. Um, and I, she had a party, and I was like, Amber, I really want to get into fintech, financial, mm-hmm. you know, technology. And she said, well, what about, what about Bitcoin? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. This was yeah, 2016. This, I was going right? to say this was before any of us were having conversations about, yeah. about blockchain and Bitcoin, right? And she said, well, what about blockchain? I'm like, I still do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what is and this word? Said, well, yeah. And she said, um, well, why don't you come to a conference that I'm having um, with, a, with a colleague um, sponsoring it? It's going to be amazing. And I'm like, okay. So I go to this conference and they had it at Mars with Innovation Lab. Here in Toronto, oh my gosh, Um, I walk in and I see people from EY, and I see people from KPMG, and I see people from Deloitte. Deloitte's a sponsor. And Homeland Security is there from the U.S. because at the time, there weren't that many conferences. So they were really trying to find out more about blockchain and everything and crypto. And so they came and I was like, but there were no no banks, no banks, not one. And I was like, well, if all these people know about it maybe there's something that I'm missing too, because there's some smart people in this room. Yeah. And then I went and then I listened to it and I fell in love with it. And I thought, I don't know what the hell they're saying, but I got to do some research, <laughs> but I just know I loved the feeling. And I don't know if you've ever heard um, people say, I might not remember what you said to me, but I'll, I will remember, or, you know, how you, how made, you made me feel. Me feel. Absolutely. I can't remember everything that they said or what yeah. Andres Antonopoulos said, but I remember the feeling that I got from it. I thought this is going to be revolutionary and change the world because what really drew me in was the fact that people could send money to um, other people and they could save so much funds. Yeah. And so um, I just jumped in. I do what I told, what I now tell everybody not to do, but it worked out for me. 
I just jumped in. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any family or any friends besides Amber that were um, were entrepreneurs. I just jumped in and thought, I, you know, I will build the car while driving it. <laughs> and perfect. And they did, and it was amazing, and I love it. Um, I didn't get much sleep for the first few years. Who am I kidding? I still don't get much sleep, but um, it's been incredibly rewarding, and I. I'm so happy every day that I went to that party and said to Amber, um, I want to get into FinTech. Do you have any suggestions? It, it was meant to be, right? It was yeah. uh, it was your intended path. Um, yeah. There's been ups and downs in blockchain, cryptocurrency. Um, and I, I think for many of us, we still don't fully uh, you know, understand how all of it works. But um, you've, you, know, you came from the banking industry an industry that's already male, over, you know, overrepresented when it comes to men versus women. And crypto, we know, uh, is also an industry where very few women occupy leadership roles. Um, what was your experience kind of entering the sphere of cryptocurrency as a woman? And did you face any obstacles in those first few years and still today? Okay, so let me start by saying that when I got into crypto, Bitcoin was at $400. Okay. It went up to 60 grand during the pandemic and it's now yeah. hovering at around 30. So it's been a heck of a journey. Um, I, I, I when bet. I, when I first got in, so there weren't that many people. I have a, I call it my famous picture of me. We have meetups um, every three months mm. at Mars. And there is a picture of uh, everybody in the room. It's 500 people in the room, 495 men and five women. And we you were, were like, one of five. Yeah, you we were one of five. But you know something? What I loved about it and what I still love about it, especially the Canadian scene, is that these guys didn't care who you were or what you looked like uh-huh. um, as long as you had smart ideas and you were in it to help them. Right. And that's what drew me, you know, because so um, I started wearing things that stand out. I generally wear bright colors if I can. And my hair is big, you know, I'm like, so like I, they would be like, oh, that's Emma. And here's what she does. And the guys at the time were just like, I built something. And I'm like, OK, what's your marketing plan? I built something. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what's your marketing plan? <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, I built it so they will come. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> you know. Um, so, um, I spent my time helping them and then they got to know me and then my, um, reputation preceded me. And then I got asked to do speaking engagements and help people. And that's kind of what, how it kind of kept going. But, um, the guys were very, very helpful. And, um, like as much as I'm a, I go everything gangbusters, I'm not gonna lie. I couldn't do this on on my own. Right. You need people to believe in you. You need people to talk about you when you're not in those rooms, because I'm not going to kid you. A lot of times I'm not in those rooms. I can't be everywhere. And so all you can do is work hard, have your reputation precede you. If you don't know what you're talking about, just be quiet and then go home and do some research or do go in the corner and do some research on your, on your phone. Um, But always speak with purpose, speak with intent and, um, Uh you know, um, let your work speak for you. And I did mm-hmm. that. And the guys, as a result, would talk about me all the time. And Canadians are everywhere. So I would go to a conference and it would be like, Emma, you know. And so I was really never alone wherever I went anywhere. Um, but I called the, the guys like they're my guys or like my boys. And like we 
I'm everywhere with them. So I'm generally in a room with, I'm probably, because I'm in mining now mostly, and mining is okay. less women. Uh, yeah. They're probably yeah, like, even count, less. like yeah. yeah, maybe five women. So it's generally me and like 20 guys. <laughs> like yeah. we were just like hanging. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had the uh, the CEO of Hut Eight Mining uh, oh, on the show just, just last season. Yeah, she was. I great. love her so much. A little unhealthily, I love her. Jamie <laughs> is. She is amazing. I love her in a way that is very, very unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to hear this and go, Emma, did you say that about him? I did. <laughs> well, you're you're both part of that very elusive group of women in in the industry, mm. especially in mining. Um, and earlier in the conversation, you talked about how you know you really wanted that job at the bank, and you kept just phoning and char, following up. Is this something that's helpful in terms of, you know, you've built this network in a brand new industry where you probably didn't have any connections to start with? Um, I'm guessing that building community and networking is not an issue for you if you apply the same principle as when you were job searching. Um, and how, you know, how does that continue to be for you? And do you find that people on the receiving end are open to wanting to build, you know, new connections and, and meet people in the industry? Because I think for a lot of women, especially women on the show, it's kind of, there's a lesson in there. Often we're afraid of just knocking on the door, you know, reaching out to somebody we admire, somebody we want to be connected with. But in general, I think there's a lot more openness than we first imagine, right? Yeah, people are willing to help you um, if they have the time. And if your demands aren't too much and if yeah. you keep it to, I need help for one or two things and you know, um, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I can do for you, for example, or I just want to learn, you know, if it's something short and sweet, I'll, I'll respond to a LinkedIn post. If it's something very long and involved and I can clearly tell that they just, they're not doing their own due diligence. They just want me to do the work for them. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Um, but you know, like we just, we just try, yeah, because there are people like that, right? They want you to do everything yeah. for them. Like, I, you know, you kind of have to do your own research. Like, <laughs> I can help you a little bit, but I'm not going to do the work for you. Like, I for have you. my own life and my own things to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> This season of The Brandest Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise. And they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and to engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. You found yourself in very powerful rooms. I mean, again, reading mm. off, you know, your resume, you've uh, not only have you worked for banks, but you've become a sought after advisor, uh, you know, working with uh, the JP Morgan Chase uh, of, of this world. Uh, you've spoken at the UN headquarters, UN General As Assembly. Uh, you've been on a stage with heads of state from Al Gore to Edward Snowden, members of the U.S. Congress and more. What does leadership mean to you? And what kind of 
responsibility do you feel you have as a leader industry with that share of voice and being part of these very important discussions that, let's be honest, are shaping the future of our economy, you know, worldwide? How could you say that? (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. Who has all these questions? (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, I don't think about it that way, to be honest. What I did learn, and it took me a while because I never... You know, um, I worked with so many smart people that I never wanted to say anything, but I had questions because, uh-huh. you know, you just generally have questions and you realize no one's asking those questions. And then later on, you go and you say to the person who was speaking, I have a question about blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, that was a good question. You should have asked it in the room. And I'm like, oh, it was a good question. And then I start to learn that the questions I'm thinking of are good questions. It's okay uh-huh. to ask those questions, right? So you have to had to build up my own confidence um, because I'm in these rooms with like the top 1% smartest people in the world. And I'm not just yeah. saying that. And um, like, how, like, what do you do? Right. So now for me, leadership looks like asking those questions that people are thinking of that they don't necessarily want to do because they're shy and a little bit retiring, mm-hmm. um, trying to get clarification on things. Um, pushing through when people just don't want, when they want to brush, brush you aside. Yeah. I want people to know that you don't necessarily, like you can pretty much do anything you want as long as you have a roadmap of how you plan to get there. And it makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So I am a very strategic person and I look at what I, I look at where I want to go yeah. and how I'm going to get there and what are the steps that it's going to take and the approximate timing. Because yeah. sometimes well, you know, um, you, you could be best laid plans and everything like that, but sometimes you just have a plan and you work, you go towards it and then something else happens and you get there a lot sooner. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if I could, can I say this one right now? Yeah. Well, yeah, now I, I really want to hear it. it. It's, a, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> Please so, say it. Um, what was it? Uh, I'll never forget. Was it last year? It was last year. It was last year. It was, when was it? It was May. It was a Saturday night, and I got a text at, like, 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, with my friends, you never know where they are in the world. And it was, hey, Emma, do you want to go to, do you want to go to a conference at Necker Island? Yes. Yes, I do. I don't know when it is, but yes, I will be there. (laughs) Sign me up. Done. Yes. I will be there. She's like, okay, I don't even tell you when it is. Doesn't matter. I'll see you there. <laughs> I went and I was just blown away. Now I was a person who I, you know, I would see Richard Branson on TV yeah. and all that stuff. And I was never thinking a million years you're going to meet this guy, right? Ever. Um, and I met him and I was blown away. He's a lot more introspective than you think. He's not as flashy. He's really not. That's like a marketing thing with him. Okay. He's very like quiet and yeah. asks very thoughtful questions. You, you can tell how he got to be where he is. Right. And I thought, okay, all right. When I come back here, and by the way, it's no no means guaranteed that you're ever going to get back. Like I'm going to be like more prepared because this one, the direction I didn't necessarily expect. Huh. Um, and it's expensive to get there. It is not affordable it is many things in life it is not affordable <laughs> at all like at and, all. and and to clarify for anyone who's wondering because i i was going to ask i'm glad you bring it up because there's a picture on your linkedin page with you and richard branson mm. and mm. that was the annual blockchain summit which is invitation only hard to get into very few mm. leaders you know make it um 
So that must have been. And they don't have it every year. They don't have it every year. So they didn't have it um, this past year. But like when they have it, they have it, right? Right. So I was just like, okay, like, um, and then I got invited. I got invited to, um, to one this year and I couldn't make it. Um, but then they said, Emma, we're having another one next year and we want you there and we want you to help, um, with, with that. And I was just like, okay, that, that works with my timeline. You know, I gave myself all this, a length of time to do things in two to four years. And here we are in like year one, achieving my goal. Well, congratulations. And I want to call out that we were chatting before the interview and I I was just stating how impressive your, you know, career path has been. And you said something like it's just my life. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like anything special. Is that a hint? I hate the expression imposter syndrome, but is that a hint no. of kind of you not seeing you know everything that you've been able to accomplish? Like how do you how do you explain that? I don't know how to explain it. It's not, it's not definitely not imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I really believe that everybody can do anything they want. They just have to put their mind to it. But only yeah. if, you have a, if you have a realistic plan and you put your mind to it and you have to write it down, you literally have to write it down, whether you yeah. put it on your, on your phone or actually write it down, but you have to write it down. I think you can accomplish anything you want. Um, I'm not that, I'm that person that during the pandemic, I had some time and we all did. So I went and I looked at my LinkedIn and I was like, man, I've accomplished a lot. Where was <laughs> I when all this was happening? Because, <laughs> because what Good. I do is I, I accomplish something and then I move on to the next thing. And I never st- took the right. time to stop and celebrate, right? Yes, um, we don't also, do that enough. We don't. And also, I'm not going to kid you. I feel like, if, um, like what I'm doing isn't rocket science. It's hard. I'm not going to kid you. The government makes it hard. Everybody makes it hard right now. Lobbying makes it hard. But if you can, if you don't mind putting in the hard work, anyone can do this. You just have to be, I'm not going to kid you. My friend calls it grit. Yeah. I call it stubbornness. <laughs> perseverance. <laughs> Maybe um, a bit of both. Persevere. Yeah. You have to persevere. You kind of have to just know what you want and go after it. And that's why, you know, I'm just kind of like, uh, it doesn't really feel like it's hard. It just feels like you give a plan and you go there, you meet the people, you can get this done. So you're one of the rare women who is doing that in tech because, and I have some stats from, from this year, 2023, only 28% of tech leadership roles are held by women. Um, 50% of women in tech leave the industry by the age of 35. Oh, 32% of women who are in tech or engineering roles um, often find themselves as the only woman in the room at work. So we know there's a massive mm-hmm. gender gap in tech and you're proving that, you mm-hmm. know, it there doesn't need to be. Um, I have two questions. Mm. Why aren't we seeing more women step mm. into leadership roles in tech or even pursue careers mm. in tech and in STEM? And how do we fix it? Good question. So I love this. This is a particular passion of mine. I was chair for girls in tech for, um, yeah. a few years ago. Um, Wonderful. I also think one of the stats you, um, you just mentioned where women will leave tech, I think, um, by the age of 32 or something like that. 35, yeah. 35. Here's what they're doing. They're leaving tech, but they're not actually leaving tech roles. So okay. they'll leave the industry like Google or Facebook, but they'll probably go and work somewhere, for example, like a hospital in a mm. tech role. And okay. why do they do that? Because they get more um, autonomy over their calendar. They can leave and do this. Whereas in yeah. tech, there is that feeling, that understanding that you have to work 
insane amount of hours to get anything done. You're really not going to have a life. And so women want a life. They want mm. a life. They have families, they have things like that. So they, what they tend to do is they tend to have, still have the same role, but they go and they work like in a bank or somewhere. Yeah. Um, so they're not in, in the a tech, tech industry, but they're in a tech role. Yeah. So that's what we found. Yeah. Um, what we also found, and that was interesting, is apparently more women than men actually, when they start university, um, start in, um, uh, you know, as computer science majors and things like that, more women in year one than, mm. men, men, than males mm. in year one. But by the time you graduate, it's flipped. Right. They don't like the industry. They don't, they, they don't like what they're seeing. They don't like the, um, the perceived tech bros mm. and things like that. And so they leave. And so what we're trying to do is show women to sort of combat that because, um, and what we're seeing now is there are actually more women that are graduating than men, um, Mm -hmm. just all across all industries. And so we're trying to show them like, it doesn't have to be a scary thing. You can speak up if you don't want to speak up. um, You know, you, you are not alone. Here is a group of women where you can join your voices with, and they will speak up on your behalf. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am not that way, but Mm. I'm learning something new every day. And you have people who they need to see it in order to be it, right? I just, I have an idea in my head and I just do it. But some people need to see that person out there before they're like, okay, I can do it too. Right. And so we yeah. try to be out there and so that they can see us. Representation so matters. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a report that just came out by McKinsey Women in the Workplace 2023. And that was also fascinating because they're talking about how, you know, we've been focused on the glass ceiling so much, but what we failed to notice, and we just did a study this past year with Renstad Canada that showed something similar. Um, when it gets to women being promoted to senior roles within the company, often when you get to that pool at the top and it's time to choose a new CEO or type, you know, time to choose a new senior VP, there's less and less women because they leave. They don't get promoted from the lower echelons in, in the company. And I think for a lot of women, career advancement feels limited, especially in certain industries that are male dominated. So again, how can we address that? But also how can women navigate this? Like what are things that you found are helpful when you're trying to get ahead in your company? And we know it's got to happen on terms that make sense for women too. We need flexibility in the workplace and so on. Um, but what's, what's, what have you noticed, you know, works well to kind of address that issue? I'm not going to lie. You need allies. You need male allies. So mm-hmm. the thing is, and this is going to take another, I hate to say, 20, 30 years to, to overcome. But um, right now, what we're seeing in the beginning, when I oh, God, that sounds bad. In the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, what we were seeing was that there were more men graduating than mm-hmm. um, university than women. Well, you have, yeah. And obviously, you had more men um, and still to this day in leadership positions. What we're seeing right now is more women are graduating um, than men, but you mm. still have more men in leadership positions. And why is yeah. that? Because they, and business school will somewhat help um, mitigate this, but they're hiring people that look like them. Yeah. Right. Totally. And so you can have a pool of eight women and five men, but at least two of the five men are going to get promoted and maybe one woman or not at all because mm. men want to see, they want people who um, look like them and things like that. So they're, they're learning Throughout, you know, just um, education that not having a diversified pool of um, managers is actually going to hurt your company. Those, yeah. um, I, forget, I forget the actual tallies, like 
in, in the billions, actually. Mm-hmm. And also, you're missing out on things that they know. And they're, they're showing that women in leadership positions actually help make companies money mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, you know, losing. So um, I would tell you also, in addition to all that information, when you go and you say, hey, here's what I think I can contribute, go and do your research and give stats. But also, Mm -hmm. apart from that, you want to develop allies. So I did not get where I am without having um, people on my side. Yeah. I had decided, when was it? Okay, so McKinsey. God, I love and hate McKinsey because (laughs) the first time that um, they they came out with a state of... Right? The first time they came up with a state of the um, workplace for women, that was 2020 that I became aware of it during the pandemic. I read that article and then like literally went to the liquor store and bought a bottle of wine because it was so depressing. It was incredibly depressing. It was just, it was really bad. And then like, you know, as a woman, you know, it's not good, but when it's I'm, I'm out laughing, but it's, white, it's not funny because we've right? all felt like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I shouldn't be laughing, but right? the and anecdote just, is like, funny. And like, it was a, dep- it was depressing as hell. Yeah. And yeah. Like, a okay, lot of these stats are extremely this. depressing. They are. And oh my God. So like, and they talked about, I think it was them, women only at the time in 2020 accounted for 2.9% of venture funding um, for all that stuff. That that was going to be my next question. Right? It was (laughs) 2.9% of the venture funding and because men only want to lend to themselves. And then there's also a pervasive thing that like they talk about the questions that women get that people don't talk about because they still want to get the funding. So they don't call out those biases like, Oh, you have a family. Like, what is, how does your husband feel about this? Right. Exactly. Or when are you having your next kid? Like, how can we, how can we make sure you're not having a kid in the next five years? Right. So I was like, Oh my gosh, now that we have this report out, it's going to get better. Fast forward to 2021. What happened? It actually went down. It went from 2.9 to 1%. And I was like, right. So then, Everyone had this idea, we're going to start our own venture funds for women and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not yes. seeing any real needle yeah. being moved because I have yeah. the idea also. But it takes a lot more and you kind of need to have that background. You can't just be like, I'm going to start this, right? you got to know how to manage the money. <laughs> and and like d- would there be enough in the pipeline? Like, I mean, another stat that I find alarming is the number of women who own companies in Canada keeps growing. There are more entrepreneurs, which is great. There are more women entrepreneurs specifically, but mm-hmm. it's still less 80%. than 1% who meet the $1 million revenue threshold. So there's a lot of small, really? very small businesses how can we, oh. and, and again, but we're seeing industries, you know, women are underrepresented in tech companies, women are underrepresented in health, transport, construction. So that potential, you know, it's just not being met. So how do we inspire women to kind of, I don't know, dream bigger or go after, you know, businesses that can bring in larger revenue? So my friend, um, you just have to kind of go out there and do what you're doing and do more of it and make more of a splash Mm-hmm. and try and let university students know that things are out there. Yeah. Um, go to you know the schools and say, we'd like to talk to your students so they can see that there is another avenue out there for them and how mm-hmm. they can sort of promote themselves and things like that. I didn't know that stat. And my stat is a few years old, so hopefully it's moving in the right direction. I had a hard time finding a, a more, a more mm-hmm. recent stat. Um, yeah. But still, we have a gap to fill, that's for sure. It's interesting because, um, you know, it's, I know that the U.S. is bigger than Canada, but yeah. I would hope proportionately or stats would be the same, and they are not. So mm-hmm. in the U.S., I think 40, 48% of 
of women, either 40 or 48% of women own small businesses, but in Canada, it's only 18. Right. Um, which is really unfortunate. Um, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're just not reporting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I, it's just, it blows my mind because I know so many women who have their own businesses. But what I am learning now is that also, you know, because of the economic downturn, a lot of people are going back yeah. to working in corporate. But, yeah. you know, I think I, I think I need to get newer stats because mm-hmm. what we did find during the pandemic, a lot of people were like, I don't want to work in corporate anymore. I'm going to do it yeah. on my own. Right. And they yeah. all went and started their own business. Yeah. I mean, and assuming that 95% of those, yeah, it's a tough one. I need new stats. I need yeah. to go find some new stats. We'll do, we'll do a <laughs> follow-up interview with some, yeah. with some fresh stats from StatCan and, and whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, we know there's a gender. And, and yeah, what's fascinating, too, was that massive departure of women, especially women executives, you know, from mm-hmm. corporations during the pandemic. And, you know, everybody talked about a she yeah. session and whatever term we want to use. Um mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to know, you know, in 2023, where, did, where are these women at now? Are they re-entering their workplace? Did all of them start businesses? Like where, you know, where's that cohort of women at? Hmm. I think they started their own businesses. They all became consultants. Um, <laughs> the money, so people don't talk about this a lot, but the money is actually fairly good. Yeah. If you can get the work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there are amazing opportunities I, I think that's a reality in 2023 as well. The market, the job market being what it is, a lot of companies are turning to consultants. Uh, you know, you can call yourself a freelancer depending on the industry. And there's a very interesting niches in, in that category. It is. And also I find, for example, like as a woman, and if you're a consultant or a woman, like a woman and you have a business and you know what you're doing, and you're good at it, the opportunities are outstanding. So mm-hmm. the opportunities that I have received, I wouldn't have been able to access them until I was, well, good Lord, 55 or whatever at the bank and had been there for you know, a number of years. Um, right. Like I, I remember looking on, uh, it was 2017, and I saw that they had their annual meeting in Davos, yeah. the World Economic Forum. And I thought I would like to be there. Uh-huh. And by but you know that's invitation only. It's a very whole whole shebang. By December 2018, I had received my invitation um, to go to Davos. That wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been in the bank. I would yes. have to be um, part of the CEO's, you know, immediate high, um, high level. To get, yeah, high yeah. level. Um, United Nations. That's just that's just going to take a lot to happen working yeah. in banking, right? Um, Richard Branson, once again, not going to happen at my level. But when you own your own business, you can facilitate things. You can facilitate things that you can't when you work in a corporate environment. And so I think the world's your oyster when, when, when you work for yourself. I mean, I would. Agree. I've made that choice five years ago, and I I'm seeing the benefits. So I I agree with you. I think certain people are not. They don't find being an entrepreneur appealing. Yeah. It's not necessarily something that matches their. Yeah, but and I think we do need we need very smart, amazing people in general, women as well in leadership roles in organizations because we depend on these organizations uh, in our in society in general. Um, but yes, for women who are who feel the call to be an entrepreneur, I I would agree with you, and you you've certainly demonstrated that 
it is possible to make that switch in terms of industry. You've built a thriving business for yourself. Um, so perfect segue, what would be your top three pieces of advice for a woman who's maybe thinking about starting her own business, already running a business and potentially interested by tech in particular? Mm, learn from my mistakes. <laughs> um, uh, uh, have a business plan. I had a really cheesy business plan, like build a business plan, you know, know, like know your audience, like know your potential customers, um, know who you're going to speak to and then go from there. Be flexible, be flexible because a lot of people have really good ideas, but they're not able to yeah. be, like, be like a palm tree, you know, yeah. um, in a hurricane. You can go from side to side. Don't be like an oak tree. That's yeah. average. You can go you're going to break. Yeah. Right. You need to be flexible. Um, uh, start with the end in mind. Okay. So what I, what do I mean by that? Um, when I built my business, it was kind of half-assed. I was like, I'm going to do this. I just went out and did it. Right. But build your business to a view of other people looking in. I've been successful and it's helped me. People looking in, how's it going to be? Build it um, thinking, if somebody wants to buy my business, how will like how will that look? And build it with that in mind. Because ultimately, if you want, unless you want to keep working, eventually you can sell your business to somebody and then, and then do something else or start over and things like that. So you should sort of yeah. plan for that. Very good advice. And I want to ask you, you've obviously been investing a lot of time and energy in mentoring the next generation of women. Um, you're involved in, in different initiatives. We talked about the importance of representation for you know women listening to us who are wanting to do more, uh, help uplift one another, including the next generation, but including women who are our peers. What are good ways to show that support? Find an organization that you like and see if they have mentoring. Um, and then you can um, mentor people or kids or people who want to be like you. Um, you know, look in your LinkedIn. Some people, there's going to be someone there who wants to meet you for coffee. Um, yeah. Who, you know, they, they've admired what you're, what you're doing and they want to ask you some questions. You know, girls in tech, reach out to them and say, hey, I think I have some skills that could be of use. Could you see if there's a fit between your organization and mine? And then that, that could help you. Mm, love that. Well, all fantastic advice from a fantastic woman leader. Uh, I could keep chatting with you for another mm -hmm. three hours, but we will do a follow-up and look at some fresh stats together. Mm. I will hold you to that. And thank you so much for sharing uh, some of your insights, you know, advice, lessons learned along the way. And can't wait to see uh, what you're up to next along with MMH, your company. Okay, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Good. Me too. Thank you so much for listening to the Brandis Female Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you to our editor, Isabel Morris, and our editorial manager, Mackie Domingo. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com to learn more. Yeah.